the significance of this parable, we need to have the context of why Jesus shared this parable to begin with. And I must warn you that the context is a little bit solemn. And so that's why I did not include it in the scripture reading, because we'd get discouraged before the message even started. But it's found in Luke chapter 13. And I feel that it's important for us to understand these, this context, because this context applies to us now more than ever before. And in understanding the context, we value the parable. So let's look at Luke chapter 13, beginning with verse uh, 1. There were present at that season some that had told him, that's Jesus, of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose you that these Galileans were sinners above all Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But except you repent, you shall likewise perish." Or those eighteen upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think you that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Some people had come to Jesus and they had told them the story of what had recently happened just around that time. And they came to Christ and they said, Jesus, have you heard about the story about this uh, tower that fell upon people who had gone to Siloam to worship? Did you hear that story? And Jesus responds to them quite curiously. He says in a very direct and almost reckless way, he says, do you think that these people that went to worship and had that tower fall on them, do you think that those people died because they were sinners more than every other person that dwelt in Jerusalem? He says, no. And he says, as a matter of fact, except you repent, you will also likewise perish. Or he says, those people who went and whom Pilate mingled their blood with their sacrifices when they went to worship, do you think that those Galileans were sinners than everyone else in Galilee because they suffered such things? He says, no, as a matter of fact, if you don't repent, you will also likewise perish. In other words, the context in which Jesus is speaking this parable is a context of natural disasters. The tower falling on a group of people as they're there in Jerusalem is a disaster that is caused by nature, not at the hands of another individual, but at the hands of nature. Just a few weeks ago, I was on my way to Hong Kong, and when I was getting onto the airplane, we had just received news that the eastern part of the United States was just being hit hard with severe weather. And I was flying to Hong Kong, which on that very same, at that very same time, another natural disaster, a typhoon, was hitting Hong Kong, the greatest typhoon that hit Hong Kong in who knows how many years. When you look around nature today, if there's anything that is sure, it is this. That natural disasters are not only increasing in their frequency, but also in their intensity. No matter where you go, this is something that you cannot get rid of. You cannot flee from. Disasters caused by nature are taking place all over our nation and all over the world in ways that are intensifying in their frequency and also in their intensity. 
And so Jesus is speaking this parable of the fig tree in the context of natural disaster. But it is also speaking this parable in the context of disasters not caused by nature, but caused by the hands of another human being, caused by man. Unnatural disasters. Disasters that are caused as a result of hatred or the evil that exists in the heart of the human being. Pilate comes and mingles the sacrifices of individuals who are there to worship. Mingles their blood with the blood of their sacrifices. And it isn't something that needs to be, that we need to be convinced about today, that the intensity and the frequency of disasters not only caused by nature, but disasters caused by the hands of another human being are also intensifying and are also more frequent. And so Jesus gives this parable in the context of natural and unnatural disasters. Dis disasters caused by nature, disasters caused by the hands of other people. This is the context in which Jesus gives this parable, the parable of the fig tree. And I say that if there's ever a time that we are experiencing this, verses 1 2 and 3 and 4 and 5, it is today. And so, this parable, in other words, is a parable that especially applies to us today. Notice what the parable says. Jesus spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then he said to the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it, and if it bears fruit well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. It is a parable of a fig tree. And this is important for us to note that this parable is not about an oak tree, but it's a parable about a fig tree. Notice here that this fig tree is planted in a vineyard. First of all, we need to talk a little bit about the fig tree. I'm no farmer, so Viv, you're going to have to uh, spare me here if I make some mistakes. But I do know a little bit, by the way, we, I, I guess I am somewhat of a farmer because our house is on seven acres and we have a couple of fruit trees and two acres of blueberries. So that makes me a farmer. We, the blueberries don't come by and pick any because we don't have any there, but, but we still have, we still have the, the blueberries. But this, this I do know, that there are many potential reasons or let, let me back up here and talk a little bit about the fig. I did a little bit of research on the fig. The fig is a special kind of fruit. First of all, the tree itself is special. I did not know this until recently, but they say actually that the fig tree is special for various different reasons. Number one, it is a tough tree. You can grow a fig tree in the Middle East where there is very, very little water, and the tree can survive. And that same fig tree, or the same kind of tree, a fig tree, you can plant it in the middle of the Arctic, a.k.a. Michigan, and the fig tree can survive in Michigan too. As a matter of fact, we have a fig tree in our backyard. 
And so it is a tough tree, a tree that can be uh, fruitful under harsh circumstances, a tree that can produce fruit in the harsh climates of the Middle East where there's very little water and in the frozen climate of Michigan where there's a lot of water but it's frozen. And so this is the kind of tree that the fig tree is. Not only is the fig tree a tough tree, but it is a fruitful tree. They actually say that the fig tree has two seasons where it can be harvested, in the fall and in the spring. And so it is a tree that is designed to produce fruit under difficult climates and under difficult circumstances. And in addition to that, it is designed to produce fruit bountifully. It is designed to be a fruitful tree. In uh, ancient times, the fig tree is like the ancient fruit. Some people believe that it was actually the fig tree that was planted in the Garden of Eden. But they actually say that the fig tree is known to be nutritious, dense in nutritious. And they actually say that you can get as much calcium from half a cup of figs than you would from half a cup of milk. Ancient athletes used the figs in their training in order to restore their sore muscles and to give them endurance in the Olympics in Greece. And so the fig fruit, it's known to be a nutritious fruit, a fruit that is dense with nutrients. It's supposed to actually here cure many, or prevent, sorry, many different kinds of diseases, including heart disease and diabetes and all sorts of other diseases that I can't remember at this time. This is the kind of fruit that the fig is. This is the kind of tree that the fig tree is. And so this parable is a parable about a fig tree. Notice that the fig tree is planted in a vineyard. I was a little bit curious because I thought that a vineyard was a place where we plant grapes. And so... I looked it up, and that's true. I'm, I'm actually right. Vineyard, a place where you have grape vines. And you have this fig tree that is planted in the middle of a vineyard. Not an orchard, or not a grove, but a vineyard. There's a, there's a variety of reasons why that fig tree finds itself in a vineyard instead of an, or, uh, instead of an orchard or instead of a grove. Sometimes... Uh, we've experienced with our blueberries and our cherry trees in the backyard, the birds are very smart, right? As soon as the spring rolls around, they know which trees have the fruit that is ripe. And overnight, you know, you think to yourself, man, tomorrow I'm going to go get those cherries, but there is no tomorrow because the birds got them early in the morning. And these birds will come and they will steal our cherries and they will fly away and as they're flying, or they'll come and they'll eat our, um, our apples. And then they'll, as they're flying, they're going to pass over the shawl's house. And they're going to digest the fruit. And they're going to leave little gifts behind for, for Viv and his wife. And sometimes these gifts will contain seed. And the seed will germinate. And that's why uh, the shawls have an orchard of apples in their backyard because of our birds that eat our apples. Sometimes these fruit trees will be planted by accident because birds will eat the food. And in 
in, as, as they journey from one place, as they migrate from one place to another, they will leave behind these droppings that will germinate and produce the plant. That's one way in which this fig tree could have been planted in the middle of a vineyard. Another way in which this fig tree could be planted in the middle of a vineyard is that sometimes you have strong winds that will come and will blow on these trees and will scatter the seeds abroad like it likes to do with the dandelions all over our yards. That's another way in which this fig tree can be planted in the middle of a vineyard. But here the Bible tells us that the reason why this fig tree is found in the middle of a vineyard is because somebody, an owner of this vineyard, decided to have a fig tree planted right there in the vineyard. So, you might recognize this man, Michigan Today. I was reading this article, it popped up on my newsfeed, and it, 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 it really blew me away. So, this is our good friend Eric, and um, the, the MSU Today article says something like this. The white yam is a profitable crop for Ghana small hold, holder farmers, but it possesses two big problems, two big problems with the yam. So if you get your uh, PhD, you can thank me because I'm coming up with some research for you. Right. I'm just, this is a direct quote from the uh, thing, so he already discovered this. It possesses two problems, this, this uh, white yam. Number one, it needs to be staked, and number two, the staking, by the way, costs a lot of money, and so it, 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 it eats profits. And number two, this yam pulls out from the ground a lot of nutrients, and so you constantly have to be moving this around. Now, the, the, the pigeon pea, which is a leguminous shrub, it could address both problems. And so this is what he discovered. This is the way that the, the plants are traditionally planted. You have the stakes, and then you have the plants that climb up these uh, stakes. That's the way it's traditionally planted. So we're spending a lot of money in Ghana on these uh, stakes, and we're killing a lot of trees, and it's taking up a lot of space. And so Eric, the genius, came up with a, an idea, and that is to plant these two crops together, and they will form a symbiotic relationship where the white yam and the pigeon pea together will actually work one with the other to produce nutrients into the ground to help the other plant grow. So you have a symbiotic relationship between the white yam and the pigeon pea. Pigeon pea. I know this looks like a forest to us, but you can see there the vine. I don't know if you can see it. I don't have a, do I? Yeah, right. We need to get a bigger laser printer, but you can see there. Pointer, I mean. So there's a symbiotic relationship that exists between the white yam and the pigeon pea, and Eric is hoping that this is true, because if it isn't, he's not going to have PhD after his name <laughs> at the conclusion of all that study. And so this is the... Uh, there is a symbiotic relationship between the white yam and the pigeon pea. And perhaps there's a symbiotic relationship that exists between the fig tree and the grape. In other words, for some reason, the owner of this vineyard has decided to put a fig tree there. And that fig tree has been planted there by design, on purpose, and not by accident. 
Who is that fig tree? That fig tree represents you and me. We are the fig tree. We have been designed and created by God to produce fruit even under difficult circumstances. And we have been designed and created by God to not only produce fruit, but to produce it in abundance. God has created us in his image to reflect his love and his grace to others and to do so in abundance. But there's a problem with this fig tree. This fig tree does not bear fruit. Even though this fig tree is planted in a vineyard with a bunch of grapes, it does not produce the fruit that it was designed to produce. The grapes in the vineyard represent the people around us, the homes in which we live in, the places where we work, the school that we attend, this church community. Everyone around us represents the grapes. And what the Bible is trying to teach us is this, what Jesus is trying to say is this, that where you live today and where you work today and where you study today and the congregation that you are part of today, this has not happened by chance. We don't go to the university church because we live close by or because the parking is great. This is not the reason why we come here. We don't go to the school that we go to because we scored high or we scored too low or we scored just enough to get to this place. We don't work where we work because we are super duper smart and we were the best and most qualified person to get the job. Even though these things may be true or even though we've convinced ourselves that these things are true, this is not the reason why we find ourselves where we're at. But according to Jesus, we are a fig among grapes because this has been the design of the owner of the vineyard. And so we are born into the families that we are born with, into, not because of the passion of our parents, but because it was the design of God that this would take place. We are figs among grapes for this very reason. And so this tells us that no matter the difficulties that we face, no matter the challenges of our environments, that all of this has been taken into consideration and that Jesus has, the owner of the vineyard, has made sure that we are in places where, like figs, we can produce, we can produce under difficult circumstances, and we can produce in abundance. And what we will produce is the nutrient-dense fruit that would give life to those around us. But this fig tree does not bear fruit. And so the owner of the vineyard comes and he says in verse 7, Behold, three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. A fig tree that does not produce fruit. This is a radical phenomenon to the owner of this vineyard. How is it possible for me to have a fig tree that is designed to produce fruit and in addition to that I've surrounded it with a bunch of grapes so that it can produce even more fruit in abundance and I'm getting the opposite effect how could this be and so the vineyard owner comes up with this conclusion and at first I was mad at the vineyard owner because I'm thinking why are you so harsh cutting down the tree but he says something very profound 
He says, cut down the fig tree. The request that this owner is making is a reasonable request. He says, cut it down because it is cumbering up the ground. In other words, the owner of the vineyard is saying to himself, this fig tree is taking up the nutrition, the nutrients in the soil, that if any other fig tree was able to enjoy, it would produce, and it would produce in abundance. And so he says this fig tree is not only just not producing, but in, in the, because it is not producing, it is also taking the place of any other tree that would produce in its place. And so he says it is important for me to knock this fig tree down so that I can instead plant another fig tree that will produce the fruit that I'm looking for year after year. So he says, cut it down. It is cumbering up the ground. If this applies to you and to me today, we have to ask ourselves the question, are we producing the fruit that God has called us to produce in our life? God has placed us where he places us. He's placed us in this church. He's placed us in our community. He's placed us in our field of work and in our place of study. He's placed us there to produce fruit. And if we are honest with ourselves, when we look at the past year, we have to ask ourselves the question, have we been producing the fruit that God has asked us to produce? The fruit that we have been created to produce? And if not, are we using up the space that in other fig trees would successfully use if God were to remove us and replace us with another fig tree? That's the solemn question that we have to ask ourselves today. Would God be better served if we were removed from the places that he has placed us in and replaced us with a fig tree that is fruitful? And so the owner of the vineyard comes and he says, cut down the tree. It is cumbering up the ground. But the dresser of the vineyard responds in verse 8, Lord, leave it alone this year also. Leave it alone this year also. In other words, Jesus is now responding to the people that have come to him in the first five verses of the chapter. And he says to them, the reason why you are alive today is not because of the diet that you've chosen. We're not alive today because we go swimming every morning or we go running every week or we lift weights and pump iron or we do aerobics and yoga. That's not the reason why we are alive today. The reason why we are alive today is not because we don't live in South Carolina, but we live in Michigan or we don't live in California where you have those fires and earthquakes. We live in the nice, safe nest of the Midwest. That's not the reason why we are alive today. The reason why we, are not why we are alive today has nothing to do with the fact that we don't live in a very dangerous part of town where drive-by shootings take place all the time. That's not why we are alive today. Jesus is saying to us that there is one reason why we are alive today. 
And it has nothing to do with our holiness because we are better than other people or because we have made better decisions than the people that have died. He says the reason why you are alive today and the reason why I'm alive today is because somebody went to the owner of the vineyard and said, leave them alone this year also. The reason why we're alive today is because someone requested that we be left to live another year. Friends, we are alive today at the request of Jesus. He is the dresser of this vineyard. And he stepped out on our behalf and said, leave him alone this year also. Yeah, maybe he's not producing the fruit that he needs to produce. Yeah, I know you've put him a bunch with a bunch of grapes and so forth. But leave him alone this year also. We are alive today not because we are better than anybody else or not because we've avoided being in the wrong place at the wrong time. We are alive today because somebody said, leave them alone this year. And there is a reason why Jesus has made this request. It's found there in the latter part of verse 8. Leave them alone this year also so that I can dig about it and dung it. In other words, he's saying, leave it alone this year also because I want to show special attention to this fruitless fig tree. The tree has everything that it needs to produce fruit. But even though it has everything that it needs to produce fruit, I will pay special attention to this tree. I, the dresser of the vineyard, We'll take special care for this tree. I will dig about it. I will dung it. I will look after it day after day after day to make sure that it, that it will produce fruit. And then he says there in verse 9, and if it bears fruit, well. And if not, then after that, you can cut it down. If you have the King James Version there, that word well is in italics meaning that that word is supplied by the translators in order to help us make sense of the passage. But in the original text, it doesn't exist. In other words, if you were to read it in the original text, it would say, and if it bears fruit, blank. And if it doesn't, then you can cut it down after that. I like, I like the way the text reads without that word. It would read, and if it bears fruit, and there's a lack of word there. The reason why I like that is because I like to imagine that heaven cannot find human language to express the joy that God feels when you and I live the life that God has called us to live. We could almost replace that word with wow instead of well. And if it bears fruit, there's nothing that God has to say. And if not, then you can cut it down. The question that we have to ask ourselves is, what are we doing with the life that God has given to us today? That's what the parable is about. And this question 
is a question that we must ask ourselves every time we think about natural and unnatural disasters. In other words, the point of disasters around us is this, that they are God's instruments to remind the living to ask the question, am I being a fruitful fig tree? Am I being a fruitful fig tree? And if I am not, then it is supposed to call us to prayer, to say, God, I need Jesus to work in my life. I need him to work with me especially. I need him to make me start caring about things that matter most. I need Jesus to make me willing to be made willing to be like him. This is what I need. And this is the purpose of the intensifying natural disasters and non-natural disasters that take place in the world today. You and I, we are that fig tree, but the good news is that Jesus loves us enough to say, leave them alone this year also. And the fact, my friends, that we are alive today is an indication that God has the desire, the intense desire, to work with us again and again and again this year in my life and in your life. How will you respond to that? My prayer is that we will say, Lord, work in our lives today. Work in our lives this year. Work in our lives as long as you give us breath to reflect your love, your character, your grace to those people that are around us. God bless you.